welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello, everyone. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome to Ride the Elephant Today podcast. We're very excited about you being here today. I'm going to be talking again with my son, Brian, about some of the things that we consider when we look at our personal choices of why we do what we do and how we consistently respond to situations that occur in our life. And it says a lot about us as a person. It defines us. And for lack of a better term, I would call this our personal ethics, our personal decision maker. So I want to talk a little bit about that with Brian. So Brian, I have a question for you to start and you say hello, but what do you do? You may have had this situation occur. Most of us have. When you push your loaded shopping cart up to the checkout counter and the teller scans your items and you observe that the teller accidentally failed to scan an item, what do you do in that situation? Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for having me today, Doc. It's good to be back. I'm Brian, and Doc and I have been talking regularly for dozens of episodes now, covering all the material in Ride the Elephant. So to your question about integrity in the little things, like a missed item going into your cart, do you pipe in and say, hey, I noticed that didn't get scanned. You know, I want to pay for all my items. Can you make sure and scan that? It's so easy. And that's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, I can understand a lot of people trying to take advantage of a little slip like that. And that's simply not character. That's not integrity. And I just have made a personal decision that in things like that, I'm going to honor the store and my principles and I'm going to do the right thing and say, Hey, I'd like to pay for all my items. Yeah. That's a great one. I have another one for you. That's a kind of an interesting one that happened to me this weekend. And I observed this. And if you were to find a $20 bill in the parking lot as you were leaving and you looked around for the rightful owner to no avail, what would you do with that $20? You know, this happened to me. I wrote about that question in the book, ride the elephant. But then it happened to me, I was skiing this weekend and I walked out of the ski lodge, the the river cabin, which is a cabin back in the ski resort. And there was a $20 bill on the ground. I didn't see it initially, but the person who I didn't know was walking alongside of me and he saw it, looked at it. He said, oh, look at, I found a $20 bill. Boy, free beers for everyone, you know? So he was pretty excited about finding a $20 bill and certainly was planning to spend it when he walked into the bar. And I thought that was interesting. I didn't follow him to see what he actually did. But his response was finders keepers kind of thing. What's your thought? What would you do in that situation, Brian? I've been in this situation Uh, just this past summer. I was working at a music festival. I got the opportunity to go to the festival and get paid $30 an hour to clean the bathrooms at the main stage. So these are the bathrooms that the artists are using. They weren't like gross porta potties. It was a trailer of air conditioned, nice flushing toilet bathrooms with running water. Anyway, I had to go in there every hour and wipe it down and make sure it was clean and radio for a emergency cleanup crew if there was any overflow, if you know what I mean. And it was pretty easy, pretty fun. It was worth it. 
I found a $20 bill in one of those stalls. And they had the manager's trailer back behind the main stage. So I went in there and I was like, hey, I found $20 in the bathroom. And they all laughed at me. (laughs) (laughs) But the manager of the festival pinned it up on the cork board and said, hey, if you lost $20 in the bathroom. Here it is. Of course. Yeah. The next day they grabbed me and said, here, take this $20 bill. It's yours. (laughs) Nobody's going to come back for this. And to me, that impression that I made on that management team was priceless, even though I felt a little, I don't know, childish and night, like, you know, who does that? And they kind of laughed at me, but I think I made a good impression and that was far more valuable to me than that $20. Sure. You know, those are great examples and it isn't always money. That's the question. The question is, you know, if you decide not to go to work and you just don't feel like going to work, what do you do? Do you give a phony excuse or are you truthful? And so what do you do in that situation? That's an area where my virtue shines less. Okay. We'll leave it at that. I'll ask you another one. (laughs) (laughs) You said it all. All right. So I can relate to that. I can understand that. I think one of the greatest stories I have heard about personal ethics was shared with me by the principal of a high school. And he was at a championship soccer game. I think it was even the state championship soccer game for the school that he was a principal at. And he was amazed by something he observed on the field. The score was zero to zero near the end of the game. So it looked like the next team that scored was going to win the game. Well, it just so happened that one of his students was on the right wing and she had an open shot to the goal. She kicked the ball. The goalie was not able to stop it, jumped to the side. The ball flew into the back of the net. And of course, the referee yells, goal. So it looked by all accounts that they were going to win the game. But Sarah did something unexpectedly. She went and ran over to the official and said to the official, that was not a goal. And the official said, well, tell me what you mean. She said, I watched the ball. It did go into the back of the net, but it went behind the goal post. There must be tear in the net. So the official went over and looked, and there was a tear in the back of the net. And she said, the ball went through here. It did not go in front of the goal post where it was a legal goal. And when she said that to her teammates, and the teammate said, don't say anything, don't say anything. We're going to win the game, don't say anything. But she went over to the ref anyways, even though her friends were saying, don't say anything, don't say anything. And the goal was discounted because of what she Mm -hmm. said. So she then was willing to take the heat from her team and her coaches or anybody else that said, hey, (laughs) this is part of the game. These things happen, you know. What you can get away with on the field, you get away with. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. But her decision was very clear. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life knowing that we won the state championship on a goal that I did not make. I'm not going to live with that. Now, she made that decision, and she had a lot of pressure on her not to let the official know. Now, what would you have done in that situation? Would you have gone to the referee? Would you have told him the goal didn't count, or would you have gone along and said, hey, we won the game? Oh, man. I don't know. I really think my inner voice would be, like, screaming at me to 
say something. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine being in that situation. That's a great story. Yeah. And here you have a relatively young gal, 17, 18 years old, very clear in her mind what she needed to do. And I tell you, playing sports myself, you know, if I stepped out of bounds and the referee didn't see it, I didn't say, here's the ball, I stepped out of bounds. If I followed another player when he was taking a shot and I hit his hand and the ref didn't see it and didn't call me, I didn't go to the ref and raise my hand. I say, I followed him. And I think in sports today, we have lost sight of our ability for our personal ethics to show through. And I think what's dangerous about that is we get away with things on the playing field. And do we start getting away with things when we go into the workplace? Do we start getting away with things when we in relationships? Do we start getting away when we start taking charge of community projects or even a political office? And do we do the right thing? Or are we going to cheat to get the outcome that we want? Sarah certainly could have gotten the outcome she wanted, which was to win the game. But she was not willing to do that at the expense of being unintegrative. Her personal ethics prevented her from doing that. Brian, have we lost this sense of personal ethics in our society today? And if we have, what is the cause of it? Why do you think personal ethics and doing the right thing is something that just people say, but it's so hard for people to do? Yeah, I do believe that we actually still have that ethic. I think there are a lot of people who are good. And I think, you know, like the expression, you don't hear about all the planes that land. You only hear about the planes that crash. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of silent ethical behavior out there all the time. I still have faith in that. Unfortunately, there still remains a lot of people. You know, it reminds me of Pinocchio. And Pinocchio had a double whammy. His nose would grow if he lied, but he also had Jiminy Cricket as a metaphor for his conscience. And I think there's a lot of people who are still like Pinocchio. And either that voice isn't loud enough or they just choose to ignore it. And they have to go all the way beyond the pale and make an ass of themselves to really learn that ethical lesson. But I believe that there are good people everywhere. And there are people who will do the right thing in these circumstances. Maybe not a majority, but a lot of people. I have faith in that. You know, I think we have to ask ourselves, what would we do in these situations? You know, and I think, do we have the Jiminy Cricket? Do we have that little angel on our shoulder, that little voice inside that calls us to do the right thing? Or is the noise so loud outside that we just ignore that? And as long as we win, as long as we get what we want, as long as we benefit from the moment, we're willing to set aside that little voice inside or doing the right thing. You know, I think there's probably six or more questions that I think of. When it comes to personal ethics, do we respect the cultural norms or do we rebel against them? I think in a lot of ways, cultural norms are there for a reason. You know, many of our cultural norms are following the religious tenets of our heritage. Do we pick those, whether you're religious or not religious, whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, 
we still have these tenets that have come out of, you know, the societal teaching, and for the most part, that's been the religious teachings of the past, that these tenets, do we cherry pick the ones we want to apply to our lives and then leave the ones that we don't really want to be held accountable to? Your thoughts on that? I think that when you say core tenets, I kind of think of a timeless moral code yes, similar to what you'd see in the Bible in the Ten Commandments is really a great example. Mm-hmm. And I think that the process of jurisprudence has changed over time, and in my personal opinion, for the better. I don't think it's good to be stoning people to death under any circumstance. Sure. But the core tenets in it. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a cherry picker in that regard, because I I will say that I think that crime and punishment has kind of evolved over time. But I think that those timeless principles, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Give yourself time to rest every week. Those are really beneficial to live by them can do no harm. So what do we think of the greater good? when we are in these situations, is our personal decision that we make, are we thinking of what's good for us or are we thinking of what's for the greater good of the community? Well, who is the author of that greater good? Because I, as a student of history, I've observed that people get entangled in a greater good that is being authored by, let's just say, a dangerous ideologue. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, when you have an agenda then that oftentimes will cause us to compromise what we know could be the best thing for the situation and whether it's the best thing for us. And we have a tendency to justify why we do what we do. When I think of what you just said, I think we change the rules to fit our needs. Yeah. Instead of respecting the rules that have been there for 3,500 years in some form. And not all rules stand there for 3,500 years. Like you say, we elevate, we mature through a time when we used to, you know, an eye for an eye. We don't do an eye for an eye anymore. We don't stone a person to death. You know, we've evolved. That's a good thing. Yeah, and that's a good thing. So there's this collective consciousness of what is the moral good. And I think we sometimes set that aside for our own personal gain. Yep. And sometimes I don't think it's as clear today as it maybe once was. And I don't know if that's true, if you're sensing that. For me, I would say it was more clear for me back when I was raised in the 50s and 60s and 70s. I think it was more clear then. And I see ambiguity today. And the reason I say that is because we saw in the TV shows and what was covered in the news, you know, with shows like Father Knows Best. Ozzie and Harriet, you know, there was always shows on TV that were situational sitcoms that created a moral story and a moral theme of doing the right thing. Uh, Beaver was always the mischievous child that would always do the wrong thing, but he was always being corrected to do the right thing. And then Eddie Haskell was the one who was always the character that always messed up things. So, you know, you watch these cast of characters play out and we had an opportunity to learn just in our media of what is the right thing to do. 
Well, my observation today is many of the messaging coming out of the movies and TV sitcoms today is the emphasis on doing the wrong thing and getting away with it and then blaming someone if it doesn't work out and justifying it for your own well-being. And I see that play out. Now, I'm not talking about all shows and all sitcoms, but however, I've seen that change over time. You're a avid follower of movies and video productions. You are probably one of the most well-versed person in this genre, this understanding of anybody. So your comments about what you've observed in your historical study of film and movies and TV. (laughs) I do see it a little bit differently. Yeah, I think that there was a stronger emphasis in storytelling of old to, to give a moral story, like you said. But I also, without getting too far into it, think there is room for stories that explore gray area. And this goes all the way back to like a paradise lost You know, everything from Paradise Lost to The Godfather, this kind of where the main character is an anti-hero and you're exploring a gray area of morality. I think it's quite stimulating in in terms of critical thinking. So that's all I'll say about that for now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could go on and on about that forever. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? I just want to jump in here because this is really important and it's salient for me because I've been having an ongoing conversation with a friend of mine who, when he's in a social environment, he has some fun. And sometimes he kind of wishes that he was more on top of it. I'll just say that. When I last talked to him, I really affirmed him for his self-awareness. And so it's really interesting to see characters who are troubled, but have a sense of self-awareness. Because that's the jumping off point, is realizing, wait, is this who I really want to be? Even though I've sinned 99 times and violated the ethic that I know better, if this 100th time, if I do it right, can I receive grace and forgiveness? Maybe, but it starts with that self-awareness and that feeling inside of, hey, maybe I can make a different choice. And then you try on that different choice. And I think a lot of people get entangled in justification and excuse making, as we've talked about before, instead of sitting with their self-awareness and letting that do its thing and critically thinking a new approach to their ethical behavior. Yeah. One of the things that I try to challenge the reader or the listener to this kind of conversation as they self-reflect and have an awareness of where they are in this ethical journey, I like to identify a red side and blue side of this dichotomy that we're talking about right now. The red side being the behavior that maybe is something that we want to stop doing hence read the stop sign and something that we may want to try to do more of and wish we could do more of the blue side because we sense that that would be the right thing to do maybe from that inner voice from the things we read from just the feedback we get from other people so as we look at the red side versus the blue side i like to throw this out and one of the things that i think is a a tenant of 
bred behavior is the belief that, and I hear this a lot, whatever, as long as I win. Winning is even higher, more importance than being truthful. And I think a great movie of this particular and justifying the means is the Emperor's Club, which came out of, you know, 20 some years ago, 25 years ago. The Emperor's Club with Sedgwick Bell, the young, youthful high school student who had this belief that winning was the most important thing. And of course, when his teacher confronted him with that, and the teacher even went to the parent and asked about that, what the parent said, well, what's wrong with that? Winning is the most important thing. So here, this Cedric Bell had a parent who really supported that belief in him. And of course, that was so frustrating for Mr. Hundert, the teacher. And he wanted the boy, Cedric Bell, to really look at it's more than just winning. And he used the example of Socrates. Socrates chose to die in prisons when he had a chance to get out because he was not going to waver from his personal ethics. So it's interesting, this plays out in so many situations today. And blue behavior is, they believe that actions rooted in good character produce the best outcome, even when they can't see how. They value doing what is right, even if it costs them. Like Sarah, she valued doing the right thing on the soccer field. Even though it might have cost them the state championship, she still did the right thing. She was not going to feel guilty the rest of her life knowing that they cheated to win. So blues have that sense of doing the right thing. And as long as they take actions rooted in good character, they produce the best outcome even when they can't see how. By the way, in the rest of the story on that, Sarah's team did eventually win the game. You know, she had that gift given to her by the rest of her team. But if they would have lost the game, then... What would would be the consequences from her friends and stuff like that? So, But blue behavior is, I'm going to do the right thing no matter what. The other thing that reds have a tendency to believe that the rules and the rule of law is for everyone else. Absolutes apply to everybody else. But for me, it depends on the outcome I'm getting. So I think that's another thing that we see. I think all of us need to ask ourselves, are we more on the red side of this dichotomy or more on the blue side of the dichotomy? And do the absolutes, all the rules, I'm going to make sure all the rules apply to you. But when it comes to me, it's going to depend on the situation. And we see this situational ethics play out that my ethics might be absolute unless I have a cost because it depends on the situation. And in this situation, I am going to do something different. We see this play out with politicians today like I've never seen it before. And maybe that's been a part of our heritage all along and probably has been. But it's something that we each need to consider and say, are we going to do the right thing no matter what? Or does it depend on the situation? Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about that? Well, yeah, the red character has a lot of maybe pride and fear. You know, they're trying to protect their self-image, as we've talked about before. And a blue person is less attached to that, it seems. This is kind of continuing on the track that you were just walking down. And I feel like a red person is so afraid to confess and repent. 
And that fear is understandable because wrath is scary. Yeah. But a blue person chooses to have faith in the power of repentance. And that's a really interesting piece of the dichotomy that I see that I want to add to that. Yeah. Very interesting. I think one of the things we will see in society today, and I think this jumps out of the personal ethics into how your personal ethics affects the social ethics. You know, how is that affected by our individual personal ethics? And I think one of the things that blues will do, they'll respect and honor the historical mores that have been filtered down through the generations they really critically think about why their forefathers put in place the provisions in their social framework in the government and the rules and the laws. They really think about that instead of just throwing it out the door because it's inconvenient to have to conform to these rules. They'll just make the change and not critically think of the potential unintended consequences. One of the things I've observed when we give up on the rules that have worked for hundreds of years and thousands of years, when we give up on those rules, and all of a sudden we start seeing the unintended consequences that come along with that. And if we just would have critically thought about it beforehand, we would have said, hey, maybe this isn't a good idea to give up on these moral guidance and just let everyone do what they want without any consideration of the effect it has on the group as a whole or society as a whole. So I think to me, that's a very interesting observation. I think one of the things I've learned in my 70 years is I was definitely more on the red side of this dichotomy in my younger years where I felt let the pigeons loose. Why can't I do this? I want to do it. I should do it. This rule is stupid. And I would not really apply the wisdom of my predecessors, my ancestry, into my own life. And then as I got older and I started to see, oh, now I'm seeing why maybe that I should have done this or should have done that. Particularly when you see your children turn out the way they turn out. And I'm not talking about you, Brian. I'm talking about oh, your, your brothers and sisters. <laughs> no, we're talking about your brothers and sisters. <laughs> no, of course. Not you. Of course. Well, let's get them on the phone. <laughs> yeah, right. We give them a chance to defend themselves. Uh, yeah. You, go ahead. You can say something about that because I kind of threw you under the bus there. Oh, it feels everybody can relate to this. It feels very inconvenient in the moment sometimes. Yeah. And also... Emotions are strong. It's like a raging river. And when your emotions get the best of you, sometimes you're violating those principles and tenets. Yeah. This is not easy and it's not black and white. So No, it's not black and white. It's not red and blue. It's somewhere in between that you got to figure yeah, out. Yeah. It's very interesting. You know, I think it's a sure way to see a redness in a behavior and you can even self-evaluate. And I think self-evaluation, what we're talking about here, we're not saying you should do this, you should do that, you need to do this. And I'm standing on my podium preaching to you what you should do with that $20 bill or what you should do mm -hmm. when the ball doesn't go into the net. And I'm not telling you what you should do, but it's interesting to reflect on it and consider the options of what you're doing. And that's really what I'm talking about. And one of the things that I, when we identify redness in my observation, 
is when someone is smearing another person's character or reputation. And when you find yourself listening to another pontificate about idiosyncrasies of someone else and repeating that gossip over and over again, you begin to observe that the person doing that is pointing out others' flaws, not surprisingly as being called out to what the preacher actually does himself. So the preacher of this or the pontificator of this complaining about what they're observing in another person, when we sit back and look at it, they're really doing it themselves. Sometimes we complain about the behavior of another person in what we do ourselves. Have you observed that? Oh, totally. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we observe the mischief and idiosyncrasies in other people that are actually our own? (laughs) Maybe because we know them so Uh, well. Yeah, I think so. It's a familiarity thing, and so you notice that it jumps out at you. And, you know, without getting too tangential here, for me, a lot of my ethical upbringing was related to the Bible. And so when you talk about that, my brain immediately goes to, why try to take the splinter out of your brother's eye when all the while there's a log in your own eye? Sure. And that's, you know, this problem of fretting about other people's sins, well, ignoring your own, is as ancient as any thought we have today. It's just it's been around a long time. So and there's I don't a, know why that is. People well, are more obsessed with other people's sins than their own. Let me ask you this question. Now, you bring up the religious side of this. So, okay, this is a tenet that you just described as a truth. It's a historical truth. Now, some people conflate the historical truth of that situation of pointing out the splinter in someone else's eye and ignoring the log in your own as a biblical story or a it's religious. Well, okay, it may be in the Bible, and which is a religious document, but it doesn't take away the truth of the situation. So you don't yeah. have to believe in God. You don't have to believe in the Bible. But the situation is still... Applicable to your life. Applicable to your life. Yeah, I 